everyone, and welcome to a new episode. This is the first episode where I have brought the gear actually on the road with me. Every time I say I'm on the road, but I'm not, so this one I am. And I've taken it into a hotel room. I'm with with two fantastic trainers from another PVM, uh, Kevin Trump and Alex Moore. I'll have them introduce themselves a little bit more detail. Over to you. Great. I, uh, I just got pointed out, so I guess I'm going to go first. Um, so, yeah, my name is Alex Moore. Uh, I'm the second Brit in the room. Yeah, unacceptable. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> just got told we couldn't do that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm the director of training for Synago. So, um, together with Kevin, uh, we kind of manage the training department and uh, arrange things with clients and um, train all of our trainers and send the people out and different things. and else do we do get to go out and facilitate every now and then um, i don't get to build because um, i injure myself when i do so i choose not to <laughs> um yeah. but yeah um we write manuals and different things and awesome. hey everybody uh my name's kevin uh, i'm the training manager over at synergo um basically my role over there is helping coordinate quite a bit of the the trainings that we get to do and uh, basically, a lot of the client outreach when it comes to working with our clients and uh, help them figure out what they need and how we can best support them. So, uh, yeah, excited to be here with uh, Alex and Phil today and, um, yeah, join you all out here with two of my favorite Brits and just <laughs> some kid from Jersey. So, time to start a band and go on the road. Here we go. <laughs> And of course, Alex and myself know each other from England because there's only five of us. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, it's, it's very rare to get us in the exact same space. <laughs> question i've been asking everyone in these interviews is your start your pathway the road to the work that you do i think it's interesting for people to listen to how we got here i think we probably have unique stories who wants to go first alex you want to start sure i'll go um so originally i kind of wanted to work with uh kids um and i had passion around (laughs) actually water sports kayaking and and different things canoeing yeah and i wanted to go and do that and so i ended up at a, a residential camp in the uk and um, everyone there at the time was climbing, rock climbing rather than canoeing. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'll do this rock climbing thing. So I got involved in that. Um, and then, yeah, I just got involved in uh, challenge course work and kind of worked my way up in the, in the camp that I was, uh, that I was at um, and just loved it, kind of fell in love with challenge mm-hmm. course and got to get involved with, um, you know, periodic inspection type stuff and got trained up for the European Ropes Course Association, wow. uh, which is uh, ACCT equivalent. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I did my level two, which was like the, the highest level at the time. And um, it was good fun. Um, How would so. you equate the difference? Because often people say to me, like, because I, the way I sound, hey, Phil, what's the European thing? I have no t- no knowledge of that. So just everyone knows, I've worked in the States the entire time in this field. So <laughs> I've, I'm as American in terms of the standards as any other American. But what, what what's the difference you've found? Yeah, I mean, I, I think specifically the where I got trained um, was from a company that's still around, actually, Vertex. Hmm. Um they were at the conference last year at oh. ACCT. Got to hang out with them. Um, it was a, it was quite a bit more technical. I remember um, mm. something we were kind of just talking about was was the facilitation aspect yeah. of it. Um, I think that's something that was missing in my time in mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, so it's been fun to play around with that a whole lot more in the states and, uh, and learn about that. I, there was an, there was another English guy, the third of the English guys, who was at a training I trained at, who was trying to bring some of the facilitation world back to the uk and we're saying like that is the thing that 
if if you know going back to the UK, that would be something to try to grow because it oh, yeah. is much more technical mountaineering kind of like outdoor ed has a different feel. Like I do yeah. remember going through stuff in England that had, was much more survivalist, like much more. Yeah, you, it's not about an outward bound model of if human growth. It's more about can you survive? <laughs> so yeah, and you're gonna I'm gonna teach you these skills. So I think that the facilitation world and the technical world was the part that I, I do agree probably is a miss. Yeah, I mean it'd be it'd be fun to not that I would do it now, but it'd be fun yeah. to go back and yeah. be like, let me show you some things that are gonna blow your mind. <laughs> I know. Here's yeah. how to really reach people and you know. Uh, change their world whether that's the dynamics of the group that they're in or individually mm-hmm. or whatever um, so yeah Kevin Handy yeah. how did you end up doing this stuff um, I uh, I guess I got my start um, through a couple really positive experiences back when I was younger I can think back to 6th grade and uh, in southern New Jersey YMCA Camp Akinikin and uh, <laughs> I know of that camp I've yeah. trained there and uh, Camp, uh, uh, camp of the world. Pines now I believe yeah. and yeah. Um, yeah it's actually my hometown in New Jersey Huh. And, uh, yeah, I just remember being in sixth grade and being on a low element. And there was a few other, like, elements that crossed over, like, little lagoons. And it was just such a big thing in sixth grade yes, uh, that this culture was around a it. low, swampy yeah. low. And it was yeah. like you were a legend if you yep. fell in yep. the swamp. And uh, <laughs> I can remember that moment of being back there. Legend sixth... if you fell or legend if you made it? Oh, if you fell. Oh, like, nice. If you, yeah. yeah, if you went into it, it was uh, it was something special. <laughs> okay. And, the um, standards at this camp. It was, <laughs> it was pretty wild. It was awesome. And, yeah. um, I've seen Cool. And yeah, so that was like my first like, uh, you know, experience into it as a sixth grader. And that's why even now as a trainer, I think like, you know, we can have really impactful moments as a trainer when it comes to working with younger kids in fifth and sixth grade outdoor school and, and all that. And uh, that always like kind of resonates with me and sits with me. But moving forward, um, I remember being in high school and we had a project adventure program uh, in Medford, New Jersey. And uh, I remember having just a really, really awesome experience with my teacher, uh, Tim Welsh. Uh, back when he was a football coach for me, baseball coach, and also a phys ed teacher. And uh, I owe a lot of um, my path towards that experience in high school mm-hmm. with with him as well. Um, I went, ended up going to college to, to play football and got to college and figured I did not like and did not want to play football anymore. <laughs> so I ended up transferring out and going down to the University of Delaware where uh, I wanted to study education. And we had a really awesome adventure education curriculum within the phys ed department huh. down there. And again, another awesome mentor. Um, with Roger Spock and uh, just some, yeah, a really, really awesome program down that way that kind of created that foundation of education. And uh, yeah, as, uh, as it would turn out, ended up going on a couple mountaineering trips with a couple with a really close friend of mine who was as gifted of an athlete in the mountains as you could ever be. And it was my job to just try and keep up. <laughs> and, um, you know, it taught me so much about this idea of adventure learning. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, I love phys ed. And I love teaching. And I can't wait to figure out what type of education I want to do. And when I found mountaineering and found the outdoors, it was like, this is what I want to teach. I learned more about myself on that trip right there than um, really mm-hmm. anything else I've experienced at that point. So it set me on this path of this is what I want to do. And I remember graduating from college and moving right to California and uh, teaching outdoor education and uh, happened to be in the right place at the right time, as a lot of us are when it comes to mm. filling these roles. And mm-hmm. I ended up taking on an assistant ropes director position uh, out of the site. And um, yeah, it was all on from there. It was just, uh, I love everything about this work and we just want to continue progressing and see where it led so yeah, yeah and that's kind of how it brought me here eight years later being in yeah. know, ACCT world I, I, I was having a conversation with Mark Collard from Australia about the same concept and he he brought up in something interesting that we've all sort of suggested we there was some luck or we were in the right yeah. place at the right time 
he was questioning that and I started to try to challenge myself to think like is it or it was there something that we yes we were in the right place but I think there has to be something that we did a work ethic like we traveled mm -hmm. to a location we didn't like I didn't end up wake up in a, a, a seat in a plane and go yeah. where the hell am I going and then just be like ah oh, I was in the right place at the right time so I think like and then and then the mentor thing of like yeah. finding someone to spark like some sort of flame in us that is yeah. or have an experience yeah. you mentioned the Tim and then someone Spock Roger right, yes right? Doc yeah Doc okay Spock. that is a sweet freaking name it was something, it was something. Uh, did you have someone who you think of like a mentor for you yeah I mean I guess I would echo what you just said really of the feeling like I was in the right place at yeah. the right time but I, I, I would agree that I think I mean I, my hope was that yeah there was something that was seen in me of, yeah. of what I was doing I was just willing I remember um, when I was working for the, the site that I first worked for just my view with it was like I want to be here for a while I want to you know get various different certificates and credentials and different mm -hmm. things and get a bunch of experience so you know I got various different um, opportunities to do different trainings and things and took them on and that was all really because the guy who was kind of leading the department I guess the activities department of the mm -hmm. uh, of the site Graham Hughes was his name um, he just kind of brought me along I guess and, and could see that spark I guess and mm -hmm. the interest and um hopefully a bit of ability in there somewhere and, yeah. and just said you know hey you know come and do this thing and um i remember um when, when i was there it was supposed to be a couple of years to get training um to become an instructor um and one of the senior instructors moved on and so this is where i was in the right place at the right yeah. time yeah. Uh, because yeah. i didn't even finish my two years uh, but graham was like what do you think about being a senior instructor? And I was like, um, <laughs> yes, because yeah. I hadn't even been an instructor at that point. I was still in, in apprentice mode. So, mm. yeah, it was kind of crazy. I mean, I did. I was slightly older going into it mm -hmm. um, than other folks who were in the same training group that I was in. Um, so I was in a different life space, I guess, at that yeah. point. Mm. But, yeah, definitely felt like he saw something in me and, and was willing to give me, give me a try. I mean, honestly, at the time, I thought, you are crazy. But, yeah, yeah I'm super grateful. I'm sure there's uh, rarities in this. But, like, I think we have imposter syndrome yeah. around our own knowledge. Yeah. Like, it, we, sat, we sit in that room just now in the trainer forum, and we are we do have to own some of it that we are the experts in that room mm -hmm. like we are doing it full time some mm -hmm. of them aren't doing it Certainly. as much as the, the consistency we do yeah. we do and and we're all about i'm i'm not going to put our ages out there 32 for me but i'm assuming we're all about the same sort <laughs> of age maybe? 87 <laughs> what a good year oh, nice <laughs> we've got this old guy probably uh, sitting yeah. next to me just just turned, just turned 21 <laughs> yeah 21 um, year old yeah. yeah but we're all i i, I would put us under the parameter this as i come to these conferences I do think there is the newer generation of yeah. trainers in this field. All right, you're, you're you're both directing and, and controlling some of that, you know. And I think that it's nice for us to see that we are getting to that point where we we should own it, be more comfortable owning the expertise yeah. and being able to share that. It was something about like the when we were coming up with a podcast, I'm like, what do we talk about that people care about? And people, reality is, people have asked us to talk about stuff anyway. So mm -hmm. it was, and it's I think that's the same for us. What would what advice do you give newer practitioners, emerging professionals in this field? What advice would you give them? Because they might look up to us now. Because they, I do get questions myself. Yeah. Like, what advice do you give them if they if they want to fall into this field? If we can't tell them, 
you, it's the right time, right place. Like the luck thing isn't good enough. I, you know, when we yeah, give sure. information. So what? What would you give advice to a new professional? I think it's a it's a big thing that we kind of just touched on a little bit right there is this empathetic feel of we knew what it was like mm. when we first started in this imposter syndrome that can be a real, you know, real thing uh, when we're especially first starting out or, you know, being where we're at right now. And uh, I think the uh, the big advice that I would think back to myself would be that it's okay to say that I don't know. And mm-hmm. it's okay to wow. say That's that, a good one. Um, to admit that. And as a trainer, I, I feel that, I feel really strongly that showing that vulnerability and being willing to say, I don't know, gives you a real humanistic view into like, hmm, well, this person is the subject matter expert. And if they are and they don't know, like maybe I, I hope <laughs> that it gives them permission to say, I don't know, and then mm. seek further information yeah. um, to do it right rather than thinking they're doing it right. So for me, it's a matter of like, know what you know and know what you don't know and be willing to say, I don't know, mm-hmm. is how I would view that. Yeah, I think I would definitely echo that. I think that the 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 key is to... Yeah, know what you know and know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, I just, like, don't don't underestimate your abilities. Mm. Don't overestimate your abilities. I think that when folks – I'm most worried when I'm training people and the trainees are just like, oh, yeah, I got it. And then they go Confidence and do the thing. Confidence is really high. Yeah. Competency, though. Is yeah. Like, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also – the flip side of that is you don't want people who are just like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. Super I don't know nervous. what I'm doing. I'm, yeah. I'm just really nervous. Yeah. So it's kind of like finding that that middle ground and having the ability to assess your own skills mm-hmm. uh, in an appropriate way um, and, you know, come in with an appropriate level of confidence and not overconfidence, I guess. We were like, I don't know if I captured this when I was recording, but when we were starting talking, we were talking about like, when we first started the the faux pas mistakes we made just because we mm. didn't know yeah i i think of like for me when i was in that realm i think the reason that i was picked to do some advanced training by my then mentor was uh because i knew i didn't know and i think that yeah. i like yeah. that when i have people i'm training yeah i much prefer i keep i try to instill when i'm at the start like framing the whole training ask as many questions as yeah. possible there's no bad questions yeah. Um, I want you to feel like you leave with the knowledge. Don't assume you know it all. And then when I leave, then yeah. be like, ah, oh, I should ask them this. Yeah. So anytime someone's asking me tons of questions, I'm like, I like this person. Yeah. Because yes, they they might sh- slow down and you can see, so, oh, they're asking another question. Good. Yeah. Because you probably had that question too, yeah. but you didn't want to ask it. So. Right thank them later for giving that information because yeah. I think that's so helpful. And I know one of the big things that we really push when we're going into these sites for training, and I'm sure you see this as well, is you can immediately kind of see the culture of an organization mm. based upon mm-hmm. one, am I getting judged because I'm asking a question right mm-hmm. now? And there's some sites I've been to where someone would ask a question that might be really fundamental and very you know new, and this is what this person was curious about. And you see a snicker or something like that across the room, and you're like, mm-hmm. like let's talk about this real quick and make sure that people know it is okay to ask questions. Because if they feel like they're getting judged for the questions that they're asking, it's less likely that they're going to ask a question in the future. And that, yep. is, like, that is immediately what I want to avoid in, in that type of environment we're trying to create for them. So um, it's always that concept of like, hey, ask as many questions as you want. I'm not going to get annoyed. I am going to get nervous if questions aren't being asked, though. So, um, yeah. And there's, a, there's like that law of averages in terms of how much you do something, it's more likely you're going to make a mistake anyway. So if you've only, I brought it up at the P-Code episode, 
someone you're going to lose a p-code at some point if you've mm. been doing this a long enough mm-hmm. because it's just a matter of time you get complacent something happens i think those things people are so nervous about making mistakes that's actually semi-dangerous because now they're less likely to want to practice because they, they they don't get the time on task mm. and actually experientially make those mistakes like so a level two training uh, our site at beyond basics one of the questions they ask in a mingle session right early on is what was a near miss for you in your career near miss or a mistake that you've made in your career in your challenge course operation at this stage mm. and it's a safe space to own it it's not a, if you say something i'm you're out of that training <laughs> you did what mm, get out <laughs> you know like it's more of a like I want people to feel comfortable that they've made mistakes. As you look at trainings, this got brought up at the trainer forum we were in about your first training. When was the first time you specifically led a training? Mm -hmm. If you think back at that, this is like a two-part question. Think back on that, all right, and how did that go? But now with your current brain, what would you have said to yourself at that age? Like, or, Or when it was like, what do you look back and go, oh, God, I messed that up so bad. Do you think you, or do you think like you did great? (laughs) Sequencing is definitely huge. I mean, you know, just like how are you going to structure the training so you can, you know, go from here to the next part to the next part and it's all in a progression. Mm. I've definitely done that. The same thing where I've gotten out to the, to the course and maybe haven't done knots or haven't even looked at like equipment and (laughs) pre-flight checks. I'm like, let's do some belaying. Oh wait, let's look at this gear real quick. (laughs) Um, so yeah, definitely that. Um, I think probably to slow down um, mm. and to, to really, you know, try and be mindful of the, the language um, that we're using and breaking things down for people. Um, and, yeah. And we, uh, I, I had that exact, I was saying this year, every year, high five. It's not a rule. It's, it, but it, the trainers have a discussion about one thing they're going to try to do that's new for their training. It just keeps mm. us, like, kind of excited about this yeah. is the thing I'm going to try this time. It's, I've never tried it before. Yeah. And it could be a, a model or it could be an activity or it could be the way that you, you tie. I saw you tie that differently. I'm going to try to mm. see if I can do that. It, it was about trying to change up the way that I flowed the, the, the sequence. So I actually moved stuff around one year and I did highs first and did l- games and stuff at the end yeah. just to see how it would maybe feel, like if it would change the work in any way. Yeah. And I, I realized that I think we are someone I'm stuck on a certain sequence of events or how something has to look. Mm. I don't think it's necessarily 100% as true as maybe we originally taught it but it sometimes takes us to be a little bit more okay with changing things up and then to the point of you also saying slowing down I've got more comfortable with not getting to stuff that before Mm. as Mm. it like I've got the same yeah and realizing like okay I'm not going to be able to touch their zip yeah. I know that a zip training is going to take me a ton, like in a gravity zip. Like I'm going to have to have someone up top. I'm going to have to have someone on the ladder. I'm going to have to have someone belaying up and rotating people through. And I want to see everyone do it kind of two or three times up top. So this it takes a while. And I just have to say to a client, I'm not going to do that mm-hmm. and then see their face of disappointment, but then be able to adequately educate them on this is the reason why I don't think that's a right thing to do right mm-hmm. now. But that's, that comes with experience and comfortability because mm-hmm. way early on I had things exactly the same way, very scripted, lows, games, lows, highs, specialties. Yeah. And I, mean, I think there's comfortability with that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think changing things up um, in that way is actually really powerful because you might figure out that what you were doing was perfect. And so you can, <laughs> yeah. you can go through and say, well, yeah. I'm going to try it differently. Yeah. 
and even if like that's still a positive even if all i do is confirm that what i was doing before was great <laughs> yeah, and that's how it should have yeah. been done yeah. like oh i really do like it that way and here's why oh absolutely um, but yeah changing things up and trying things different um i think it gets us to think as trainers and be a bit more um i don't know out of our comfort zones even when we're training as well and practice practice what we preach kind of deal like if we're never doing that ourselves then what we can't really expect it it's actually going to be featured in the the pre-con the struggle is real that lisa's done is like how do we adequately prep individuals to struggle Mm -hmm. and how are we role modeling that struggle even for ourselves Mm -hmm. adequately to the clients that we're working with so i agree Uh, kevin thoughts of like first training things that you would work or wish you'd have worked on i think the big thing for me uh was kind of looking back and and being more in tune with it now and understanding this concept of generational training Mm. and the way generational training works of this person was there for this long and then trained this person this person then in turn trained this person right here who then in turn trained me Mm. and there was some professional training along sprinkled in but you know that kind of gets diluted over time Mm. and i think that you know, I'm sure all of us have experienced this idea when we go into the site. It's like, well, why do you do it that way? And being curious, and like, well, it's the way we've always done it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, let me offer some perspective if I can, or let me see if I yeah. can give some coaching. And I think back to you know some different mistakes or different things that we talked about earlier, and uh, like this concept of um, I know for me there was this funny thing of, and it's funny to admit now, but like uh, we're not allowed to down climb from a leap of faith because mm-hmm. it's not safe. Yeah. What? <laughs> like, give them the opportunity to downcline, and they are going to take it. Mm. And uh, so for me, it was just like, this is what, you know, someone told me, like, through the grapevine, and, like, this is how we kind of trained it. And it was like, ooh, that was a little bit uh, that was a little bit green of me at that point. But, um, you know, again, looking back now and understanding generation, generational training um, really speaks to uh, the – that client vendor relationship of being able to um, ask some people that are out doing it day in Mm -hmm. and day out. And what are you seeing out there? And if we get caught in our own uh, bubble, of our own site-specific bubble, Mm. um, we don't really know what's going on out there. And uh, when it comes to, you know, what is the common practice, Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely, uh, that was definitely something big for me of, like, see what's going on at other spots and make friendships with your other camps that are around or your other organizations that are around. And, you know, stay really close with your your PBM uh, or your your vendor and however that may be. But, yeah, I'd say that that understanding of generational training and – just because it was always done this way uh, doesn't mean it's the the, the, the best way or, or an acceptable practice of doing it. Hmm. The camp I worked at for seven years, I was like the master of that camp when it came to the challenge course. I went to an outside training and realized how little I knew. Yeah. So it's like, and I, like so often we, we feel like the people were just in this bubble of experience and and I, I I was confident in that way. Like my competency level was yeah. not at the, my confidence level. I don't, it was partly due to me, but it was also because I had been trained in house yeah. and, and I just hadn't reached out or had the opportunity to reach out. So until I saw elsewhere, I realized, wow, this is all the stuff that I don't know. Mm. Um, and I think that's, you know, I'm always going to promote training. But I, like going elsewhere, and if you've been to a high five training, go to a Cinego training, or yeah. go to a product adventure training, or mm-hmm. go to a AdventureWorks training. See a different perspective of yeah. how someone's used as well, because we all probably as trainers like we see stuff like I the down climbing thing, classic of like, all right, well I, we don't let our participants climb down if they're nervous. Well, they climbed up, right? Mm. So don't you just do Absolutely. that the opposite? <laughs> but like, but it just creates a rule of like yeah. that's because, and you know. They, the perception of we want people to step a few steps out on the cable to lower is because I'm going to smack that tree. Well, that's actually not possible. 
because of the poly is going to slide their weight away from that tree. Yep. So that isn't the reason. Or like <laughs> certain things that people just get into their brain of why we do certain things. I, I, I don't want to speak for Senegal, but a high five, we just are okay with you just calling us and asking those questions over yeah. the phone, free of charge, no cost or anything. Uh, yeah. Just our get wrong, information. On the phone all the time. Exactly. I was say, yeah. our, our favorite, um, yeah. I don't want to say favorite, but our uh, um, uh, clients that we work with that, you know, the, the ones, the squeaky uh, wheel gets the grease and yeah. things like that. Like, hey, they call up and ask questions all the time. Yeah. They'll send pictures. They'll send mm-hmm. video. They say, hey, we want to get to the bottom of this. Like, what have you seen out there? And those clients are the ones that are putting excellent, excellent programming out mm-hmm. there and uh, have an awesome, you know, internal uh, system within their uh, within their organization that are helping their um, their staff members grow and get better at what they do. And yeah, they're constantly curious and constantly asking questions. Um, and I think it, it shows within their program and how good their program is. And Phil, like you said earlier, with uh, like leaving a training and having it being an intention that like I'm going to go in here and give people the why behind mm-hmm. things and not yep. just say like you're wrong. Um, because hey, maybe they're doing that method perfectly. Um, mm-hmm. But when it comes to giving the why around you know the device and, and technology and things like that, I think people are much more um, able to you know understand change and be able to willing to adapt to it and mm-hmm. change their method because of that why. So um, yeah, I think that's a really important piece of the equation. Yeah. Uh, so, both of you, tell, tell us a little bit more about Cinego. We've mentioned the name. I haven't really talked about what you do and where you're located even. <laughs> We're just putting that word out there, Cinego. <laughs> but uh, speak a little bit about what you all do over where you do it. Yeah. Um I guess a range of different things. I mean, we're a PVM, which has already been said. What's a PVM? So, this is like a member. It's an inside joke. Inside joke right at ACCT that we as PVMs use that word way too much, or that <laughs> PVM thing that people don't. We never explain what it is. So, professional vendor member. Yeah, um, and so we do construction of all different kinds. Um, we build challenge courses and do repairs and all kinds of things on traditional use, kind of facilitated challenge course things. Um, and then we're also in the commercial world, so we build um, zip tours and aerial adventure parks and all of that kind of fun stuff. Um, that's kind of one thing. We also have the training department, which Kevin and I uh, run, and um, so we deliver. Uh, trainings that people come from around the country just like you all do um, and then we also go and do uh, a bunch of site specific training in various different places so we have a, a range of trainers that do that mm-hmm. uh, we partner with several different courses um, in uh, Oregon which is where we're based mm-hmm. based in Portland um, and then um, one up in in Washington and we do uh, programming as well so we actually get to go out and facilitate um, which I think is really cool when, yeah. when we get the opportunity to do it yep. um, and then what else do we do I mean we have a sister company that runs two zip tours hmm. um, well three now three uh, three commercial right. operations hmm. um, 2019 was a big year um, <laughs> so yeah um, what else do we do I think you hit the nail on the head, head with <laughs> no. that one. We answer a lot of questions. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, being able to have uh, – being able to wear a lot of different hats um, as a trainer, I think uh, being able to go out and program, like Alex was saying, um, that's like it, it makes you practice what you preach mm-hmm. um, and really does keep you sharp on your skills while you're out there. And I think having the opportunity uh, to work with uh, our director of programming, uh, Mackenzie Smith, I think she um, – 
she puts us out there when she when she needs us mm -hmm. and uh, i'm always grateful to be able to go out there and continue to build up those hours um and work with a bunch of different uh, uh types of programs whether it's you know uh youth fifth sixth grade um outdoor school beginning of the year um you know kind of setting uh intentions for the school year for for those kids um or helping assist in that uh um, or working with um, uh, groups along the lines of, uh, I was saying earlier, Oregon Commission for the Blind, uh, more mm. adaptive style programming where we really get to hone in our skills and not just uh, um, you know offer uh, a program or people be able to go out and, and uh, be in this program, but truly paint a picture for people mm -hmm. and, and really see how you are uh, when it comes to ad adapting program to specific needs that mm -hmm. are out there. So um, definitely the program piece of it. Uh, we also have a nonprofit uh, that we that we help manage as well called Full Circle um, that works uh, with uh, high schools in the Portland area, Portland and Southern uh, Washington area, um, and that's um, basically the transformative style programming where uh, high school kids, uh, mainly a, a lot from alternative high schools, get to come out and really take a look at who they are um, and practice some different mindfulness techniques and um, and really truly create an awesome community within their mm -hmm. school and um, and hear stories and. Uh, share experiences and um, that's a really impactful piece of what we get to do as well and I always feel truly rewarded being able to get the chance to, to serve the, that population mm -hmm. and again just continue to build our craft yeah I'm going to get in trouble if I don't also mention that we do do inspections as well <laughs> uh, we write manuals for, for the clients a, there um, was going to be something you were going to be like ah, yeah, Alex yeah. you forgot to mention <laughs> like, oh, we're also so much trouble you forgot to mention you're a train you do trainings yeah yeah can you imagine that we listed off everything but Here we are. What, do um, we, what do we do again yeah so one thing I do want to touch on is that you know one uh, if you're in on the west go to Sinego. I we have a you know we simpatico in terms of it seems like our mission the focus of what our two organizations do, do really well. But one area that you do touch on that we don't touch on is the commercial industry. Mm. And I think that it, come, it, it came up again in the trainer forum. I think it's far more nuanced than pay for play and um, traditional or facilitated or educational, maybe, pay-for-play educational. Now, we do a pro moment of, of adventure education, and all the discussions we've sort of had up until this point have been focused on that same, that same principle for us. How do you balance, how do you merge those two worlds together well, that makes that much more nuanced? Because I think that it is more nuanced. I think you do incredible work. I don't think it's a cut and dry. You're like sending people for a meal. Mm -hmm. I think you're combining, and I know you're doing a workshop, I think, on that concept. So speak mm -hmm. a little about how you balance those two things, facilitation and commercial. Yeah, I mean, I think that Kevin and I have worked pretty hard to think about that in our training and, and, and figure out how we're going to merge those two worlds um, and not have them be separate. Because I mm -hmm. think we really believe that it's important not, to, to have that too much of that separation mm -hmm. it's not just you know pushing people through a system and getting them down the zip lines and getting them out and so in our in our trainings and also in the workshop that we're going to be doing it's it's the title is guiding you know more than just clipping so it's it's, it's more than just the the technical work mm -hmm. and so we really try to fit in as much as we can the facilitation piece we play activities with the staff during training and we teach them about mm -hmm. you know group development and uh, and some of the group dynamic stuff um we actually one client of ours actually comes to mind right now we went and did a training um one year and um after the training the the, the manager said you know you, you 
you did a great job um and you know for for maybe for next year can we can we cut out some of the games and the activities and <laughs> yeah. different things like yeah. you know we, can we focus on some of the some of the technical stuff mm-hmm. um and then not long afterwards um he i guess figured out what it was about yeah. and then the following year he said you know how I said not to, not to do the games and activities? He was like, Have at it. I get it now. Yeah. We can leave that in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, talk to them about all that stuff and, and bring in the facilitation aspect. And I guess he could really see the value. Mm. Um, partially because of the the work that the guides were able to do with the people that they are serving. But mm-hmm. then also partly to do with how that connects the team of guides and how they're able to, to work together. I think that that's a really powerful part of mm-hmm. what I think we try to do a really good job of. Um, is is kind of the twofer, I guess, of yeah. training people, but then also getting them to connect and oh. getting them to become a team and mm. form together. So it's kind of like we're facilitating them no. while we're training I, them. Yes, I think that's perfect. really important. Um, and I think that there are times out there where um, I see that not happening. I spoke to another yeah. course manager and and said, you know, well, you know, what games do you play or something like that? And she said, oh, oh, play play games with the staff. That's a really good idea. I should do that. Yeah. Uh, I was like, yeah, you should try it. It's awesome. Often in trains, we have a day where like ropes course training. We won't touch the rope until the second day. Yeah. And Mm. they're like kind of shocked by that. And we'll have the same thing of like, yeah, I really liked what you're doing. That seemed like that was super fun. How does that apply? Yeah. Like what what did you do that was beneficial for us? And I said, well, what you haven't realized is that tomorrow I'm going to have people trying to keep each other safe. And if they don't know who each other are, how are we going to trust each other to belay when they don't even know each other from Adam? You know, they just met. So I need to do some work on this. So I'm working with your team. They will never go anywhere else. Like Mm. for us, we retain our clients because they see that is the difference. That's the high five difference a little bit. And I'm sure it's the same with Synago. That's the difference in the training when there's that you get that other level of stuff. We've, we do um, meals together, like yeah. for lunches and stuff. Mm-hmm. We eat them together. It gets put up in emails all the time. Like, it was unbelievable. We had no cell phones out and we just chatted during lunch mm. as if yeah. that was a thing. We didn't mean for that to be a thing, but now yeah. we could never get rid of that from our training models because that's now a part of the team yeah. development work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, and it kind of comes back to, like we were just saying earlier, that, that culture that you're trying to build within that group. And uh, I think that uh, being able to use the games as the vehicle to get to that destination is is such a key component of it. And I think when the we're picking the games, a lot of people have a misconception when it comes to the games that we're using. Oh, we don't have time to be on this platform and play all these games. Like, cool. Well, there are games that you can play that take 30 seconds to play. Mm. There are games that you can play when it comes to just, you know, what is, what is the uh, the purpose of this? Maybe to get people to laugh. Yep. Maybe to get people just to connect in some way. We're up there. We're sharing this space that's really confined, and we're all in a comfortable harness or uncomfortable harness. And you know, sometimes just being able to break the ice in some way is such a key part of being able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, such a simple game as you know, me, you, you, me. You know, mm-hmm. in a sense of like, hey, we're going to meet people in this sense, and this is how we're going to do it, and it always spurs laughter. And you don't have Super to take awkward. you don't have yeah. to take it to the next round of yeah. going around in the circle, but maybe yeah. it's just connecting with people really quick, and now mm-hmm. they're connected with their names. Yeah, and uh, it's just a really interesting piece of it. Um, yeah, so it's all it's all about being human, and the reality is, like, exactly. if it's traditional or it's commercial, it doesn't mean we can stop doing the human components mm-hmm. to the work. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been to some aero adventure parks where I have not had a human experience. Mm-hmm. It's been sent off and never see another human being. It's mm-hmm. like a, a self guided tour. Yeah. 
but I've been on some zip tours that are phenomenal. They've got like guides who are so personable mm-hmm. and they're guiding us through this. Exp- they're facilitating that experience mm-hmm. in such a way that's so beneficial. That's why I think it's important when people sometimes hear those pay for play edu- educa- ed- education that it's much more nuanced. There's much more gray mm-hmm. and there's so much potential for all people to do good work. We have, we are very mission focused. We're not going to transition into that. We, we're experts in our field and that's yeah. where we want to mm-hmm. be, but it's not to disparage those who choose to do it if they're doing it for and using it in positive mm-hmm. ways that are still creating these environments i see that as being a you know phenomenal really because they're out there mm-hmm. so why keep fighting that and be like all right well let's just make it more educational we can do that or more connection based mm-hmm. and i think it's so interesting like when we get ready to go and potentially go and work with a new client or come back to a place that we haven't been in, in over a year a lot of times we'll go on TripAdvisor and take a look at the reviews mm-hmm. when you look at the reviews yeah. The the common connection between all the reviews is like this guide was the awesome, mm-hmm. and this guy did this for me in this moment, mm-hmm. and this is what this guy did uh, with this group that was on there, and you know me and my you know uh, uh, spouse went out to dinner with half the group that was on the platform because of the connections that were made. Mm-hmm. It's never about the longest zip line. It's never about the highest zip line. It's always about the connections that the guide made. So yeah. if we bring it back to the human level. Uh, I think that's such a fundamental part of what we're trying to instill in these trainings um, that, again, people see uh, the benefits of it. And, um, you know, we we certainly feel strongly about it as well. And I think like that stuff is happening at sites like, you Absolutely. know, our clients we have out in Hawaii. And it's just a beautiful location, you know, or up in Alaska. <laughs> you know, there's like yeah. Denali just over the hill. And, you know, the conversation that is had is, you know, how good the guides were, not mm. about the the space that they were in, which you would think it would be the other way around. Yeah. So it really shows how, how much of a, a good job they've done. Yeah. Know? Awesome. So as we wrap up, how would um, folks be able to get in touch with you if they wanted to? Is there a website that you can direct us to that would be helpful to find stuff on Synergo? I would say uh, teamsynergo.com is the website uh, that you can find us at right there. And then our uh, our emails are pretty easy, kevin at teamsynergo.com and alex at teamsynergo.com. If uh, you want to say hey or call us up with questions or anything along the lines of that is uh, – yeah, pretty much the simplest way to get in contact with us. Put yeah. up a smoke signal if you need to. Yeah, you might need to. If you call the office 50% of the time, Especially, we're not going to be there. Uh, so. May, May and June, and so I'm sure you yeah. know that too. Yeah. So uh, I know that you, you're hiring. You obviously can't hire anyone called Kevin or can't hire anyone called Alex. What about right. Phil? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jim, don't listen to this. <laughs> is, no. Jim, is Jim available? Yeah, yeah. J- Jim's looking for a second job. <laughs> he said, high five's good and all, but I want to go to the West Coast. Um, also, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's the cool thing of be, being around trainers. We'll probably have some more lunchtime meal conversations and keep this stuff going on. But um, I encourage people to connect with other people in your industry as best as possible. There are other PVMs. You can go to acctinfo.org and go for the professional vendor member, find it, and just have those communications and reach out to folks. Yeah. If you're shopping on the market, you don't have to end up with either one of our Absolutely. orgs, and we're okay with that too. Mm-hmm. There's some find... awesome, awesome PVMs out there yeah. that are doing excellent work all over the country. Yeah. Um, so we're ACC. You're going to hear more like stuff from ACCT conference, um, probably in some other episodes. Um, I have no idea when this goes out, so this may be like way after the fact. And like, hey, we'll do it, and it's like later on. But uh, thank you both for joining me. It's been Phil, fun. Thank you for having us, and thanks for putting yourself out there like this. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Pleasure. It. Thank yeah. you, sir. Thanks for listening to Vertical Playcast. And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives Podcast? Can you do it?
train. Thanks for giving. I think I found the guy. <laughs> Okay, dad joke. Who's got it? Who wants it? Oh, this is the, you put me on the spot. Yeah, this is the, <laughs> no, you have to get the punchline right. This is where I mess it up. Like, it's very I'm hard to edit a bad punchline. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll laugh regardless because it adds some great background. Okay. okay. Hey, uh, hey, Kevin. Hey. Where do, you, uh, where do you keep your zebra? Where do I keep my zebra? Funny you asked. 25 letters from A. Bruh. <laughs> it's, it's it's tough, if we judge Sinigo based on the dad joke <laughs> alright well we changed the plan don't go with him ACCT info <laughs> very good alright okay thank you thanks y'all bye alright bye